Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, we have got a lot of tech news. We're back. We missed a week. We got two weeks worth of news, including news from Verizon. We're going to be talking Apple Watches, the European Union, Messenger standing alone, YouTube trying to get paid, and a whole lot more. It's a great episode of Don't Panic, and we're going to go ahead and start it right now. This is Don't Panic, episode number 90, recorded April 20th, 2015, on Custom TV, Missing Watches and Giant evil corporations hello everybody and welcome to this episode of don't panic the technology podcast on gadgets the internet and that's right you i'm sean jennings and i am joined by the time warner and comcast of technology uh scary went together but we love them nonetheless because you're not letting us merge no, Dan, we, we're not allowing you to do that. But you have a monopoly on, on tech news podcasting anyway, so why would you listen to anyone else? We're not going to let you. Uh, guys, we weren't here last week. We're back this week. Are you as excited to be back as I am? Yeah, I'm pretty psyched. I think even more excited. More excited? That is a bold statement, sir. I, I hope we can live up to that standard. Yeah, I missed you all. Oh. Indeed. So it, was a sad, it was a sad week. It was. Well, not really. No. We know, Dan. We know it wasn't. Um, I did want to start the show off, A, by going through the usual shtick of This Is Don't Panic. Our website, don'tpanic.io, has all the information on the show, uh, including past episodes, live episodes, audio, video, the whole nine yards, including links to our social media accounts, uh, at Don't Panic Show on Twitter, and to where you can subscribe to the show via RSS on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and all your favorite podcasting apps. Don'tpanic.io, your one-stop shop. Now, I did want to bring up uh, one other thing that, Dan, the other week, you had an experience with our, talk about our giant overlords at Apple, uh, and you got to try on an Apple Watch. Is that correct? Oh. Right, good memory. Uh, yeah, no, I, I signed up for the thing and I went, walked five blocks over to my nearest Apple store. Um, let's see, what's, what is interesting? The whole experience was very bizarre. Like, it wasn't weird, like I was weirded out, but uh, in, com- in comparison to every other Apple store experience... It's very personal. You get assigned this this guy, and he has a like a drawer filled with Apple watches. Uh, <laughs> what's interesting is I don't know if this is a good idea or not. the The Apple watches that you try on aren't functional. They're just sort of running this demo, mm-hmm. uh, which you know, sort of a bummer because you don't really get a sense of how it feels to use one on your wrist. But on the other hand, like it's just running through these things, so you're feeling it give you turn-by-turn directions, you're feeling someone's heartbeat, uh, like a phone call, a message, you know, and it was, it was very, the, the Taptic engine is, is pretty magical, and Force Touch is crazy. Have we talked about, I don't think we have talked about Force Touch yet. We might have mentioned it briefly, but I'd love to hear So, anyways, yeah, I'll talk about that next. Uh, so you show up, and you get paired with this Apple genius, I guess they're... Are they still called that? No. The yeah. people who just work at the store are geniuses, uh, are they? I think they're employees. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> guy in a special Apple shirt or gal. And uh, you can try on as many different bands and as many different sizes as you want. Uh, I threw him a curveball. So he walks you through all the opera- all the, the software on like the display device, which, by the way... Anyone can walk into an Apple store and use one of the display devices. There's no appointment needed. You can just go and use it, uh-huh. uh, which I didn't realize. Uh, so he's walking me through all the software, and I'm trying to... Oh, I asked him. He mentions the Apple Pay integration to the Apple Watch, so you can use your watch as if it was uh, an Apple Pay device, and even simpler, really, because you don't have to hold down your thumb. As long as it's authenticated onto your wrist, you don't have to do any additional authentication. And I thought I threw him a curveball question. I asked him, how does that how does that actually work? Because my iPhone can't store like the credit cards because mm-hmm. uh, it's only a 5S. Uh, and apparently, uh, if you have a 5S and you have the Apple Watch app installed, which you do if you upgrade your OS... Uh, then you enter the credit cards on the through the Apple Watch app, 
and they get stored on the encrypted chip or whatever they're calling it on the Apple Watch itself, not on your phone. Uh, so I threw him a curveball, and he seemed to know the answer. He could have just made it up, though, because I've not, not tried that. We'll never know. Yeah. Well, we'll know soon, Sean, because unlike all of you hosers, I actually accepted the Apple Watch challenge. Oh, Whoa, man. You, you, Did you, pre- you pre-ordered one? Yes. Wow. When's, when's it supposed to arrive? Uh, Any time between the day it comes out and, like, two weeks later. <laughs> what day does it come out? The first run. Uh this week the end of this week yeah what's interesting though is and it came out in the news today apple stores won't have models you can actually physically purchase in store until may yeah oh yeah yeah i saw that if that it seems right yeah i don't know you know that was one of the the stories in the rundown and i guess we can (coughs) talk about it but but wait but okay before we talk about that I have to talk about how awesome Force Touch is. Uh, the first time, so after I did my try-on appointment last Saturday, uh, you know, it's only 15 minutes, so what was I even doing? There was something else I was waiting for in the area, so I just puttered around the Apple Store for a bit. Went to go try the, the new MacBook, which is super slim, looks really cool. Like, oh, it looks so cool. Uh, and used it didn't give force touch a second thought didn't he forgot that it was even a thing uh and it was only later that i I was reading about it again and i was like oh yeah the force touch thing it doesn't have a movable trackpad i was like wait it it doesn't have a movable track i didn't notice that at all and then i went back the that day the next day it is impossible to tell that that trackpad isn't moving wow like it it's even it almost looks like it does my my eyes are just like that moved but i know it didn't uh and then so that's just the pressing that's just a regular press and then when you press through it it's like that's a whole it's it sounds hyperbolic but it's a whole new like experience touching an object that i've never had before and i don't know how useful it will actually be like I think maybe if it was more fine-grained, so there are multiple levels, and maybe it can do that, and they just haven't implemented it yet. But it it works so well. It was really cool. I was yeah, blown away by Force Touch. Wow. And the taptic, haptic feedback thing, which made it feel like you were clicking an actual button. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's... like, imagine if they build that into the iPad, and you're... You're typing, and it's not like the old mm. Android thing where your whole phone shakes oh, and you yeah, press the button. Right. It feels like you're pressing little tiny, like, nude-style MacBook little tiny keys, which, you know, aren't the best keyboards in the world, but are way better than typing on an iPad screen. Way better. Yeah. That sounds really cool. That's what I want. I want that in an iPad. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. Surprise me. Not at all. Wow. Well, Dan, that's very brave of you to take the Apple Watch challenge. Uh, we're, we're, I'm excited to to hear about it uh, when when we get to the <laughs> when we get to the picks later. I'll tell you about the the tech challenge I took um, okay. and the, the thing I purchased uh, that we can talk about this week. But I'm excited for the Apple Watch. Um, we can talk briefly about the the news that um, where are the Apple Watches? They if you got in the first round of pre-orders, which Dan, it sounds like you did, you're going to get yours between you know those first two weeks around release date. But as usual, Apple pre-orders are getting pushed farther back uh, and back and back by weeks, um, as well as models not being in stores until May. Um, do you guys think this is a case of they didn't produce enough? Is this a case of more orders than expected? Or is this a case of Apple just artificially juicing the numbers and making it seem like there's scarcity when there isn't? Or some combination. Well, how many did they say they sold? Is that uh, an item I, in our rundown? I don't think they... I've I seen they... analyst numbers as oh. high as 2.3 million. I don't know if Apple said anything. Yeah. So, I wouldn't... I. It seems like this thing is complicated enough. Like, it's different enough from everything else they've ever manufactured that I wouldn't be surprised if there is a real scarcity. Uh, especially because they delayed it, you know, it seemed like they del- They never said that they were delaying it, but it, we got the impression that it was delayed. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if it if it was delayed. I also don't think that 
all that many people bought it. Uh, like, 2 million is probably the upper bound. Uh, so, I don't know. What was the question again? I totally forget. <laughs> Such a good question that it just went right over. Yeah. No, uh, it, it was just, why Why are there no watches? Why, 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 is there a specific reason? I mean, my my working theory would be a couple reasons. The first being that Apple wants to really perfect the in-store experience. They don't have anything they sell currently that sells like the Apple Watch, and you experience this, Dan. And I think they wanted to give them time in the stores because I would I would love to know what percentage of these watches will be sold will end up being sold through the store versus online. I feel like a lot more are going to be sold in store because it is a very personal, hands-on, try it on, feel it experience. And I think they want to get that experience right, so they don't mind taking a little extra time. Um, as far as the the two million or two and a half million who have already ordered it, that number I find believable. I want to know how many people are still buying it in three months, because there is a percentage of people who were going to buy it on pre-order launch day, regardless of what it was or what it cost or whatever. <laughs> and and two million is not to me a surprising number. Let let's see if sales suddenly drop off in a few months or if they can even sustain if not grow um that'll be my question the pre-orders i don't think are with apple are ever going to be a good representation um of actual sales potential but that's just my theory no, i think you're right thank you i don't man. think it, i don't think it whether they made a lot and sold all of them or they made a little and sold all of them, that, that, that either of those outcomes are enough to tell us how successful it will be. It's Apple. They keep pretty quiet about these things, so maybe we'll never know. Unless they sell a lot of them. And then at WWDC, which we got the date for, <laughs> which is going to be early June, uh, June 8th or 6th, I believe, June 8th, um, Tim Cook will stand up there and talk about how many millions of them they sold and they're the best-selling watch, bigger than every other watch combined, and their usual spiel let's uh let's move on to some to some other news um gentlemen we're looking at the rundown here anything in particular that's got you wanting to discuss anything at all what is uh what's the fios custom tv thing yeah, so this is interesting. This was in the news this week. We've seen leaks for a little while now. We haven't talked about it on the show because it wasn't really big enough news, but that Verizon Fios may be doing some kind of funky stuff like Sling TV where giving you a better selection of channels, fewer channels, for a better price. So you can choose the channels you want, not the ones you don't. Well, they kind of sort of did that, but didn't really. Um, and... Before we talk about it, because I have to do this now, I don't know if you guys you guys probably know this. Maybe you at home don't. Have you ever gotten to like the Wall Street Journal and they, there's been a paywall? Yeah. Do you know the like, trick to, to get around that? No. Yes. You just copy <laughs> and paste the URL, put it in a Google search, and then click on it as the top result because uh, links through Google are exempted from the firewall or from the paywall. Good to know. So, a little fun fact there for you. Um, all right, so Verizon says Fios will have um, a a new package um, that they are calling Custom TV. So here's the way it works. The base offer starts at $55 a month. For that, you get 30-odd uh, what they call base channels, which are local channels, and a few core cable channels like CNN, AMC, Food Network, HGTV. Um and two channel packs of your choice, plus Fios Internet. You can add additional channel packs for $10 a month per pack, eventually working your way up to having all of them. Now, these packs are sort of based around common themes. So there's one for lifestyle, which is like TLC and A&E and Oxygen. There's news and info, pop culture, kids, sports, sports plus, um... You can add each one of those for 10 bucks, but you get two packs and the base channels to start with at $54.99 a month. Did, did that make sense? I think so, yeah. Um, you can switch channel packs after 30 days. So, you, so once you get one, you have to keep it for a whole billing cycle, but then you can change if you'd like. Um, I think... 
this is interesting, but not that interesting because they're still bundling cable pack cable channels just in much smaller mm-hmm. packages. Yeah. So, for them and think to- about how hard this is to use. Oh, it's so complicated. You're absolutely yeah. right. So people aren't going to want to use it. No, and it defeats the purpose because I'm looking at the list of these little packs, and that's not how I watch television. I watch like one of each pack. I don't need three right. entertainment channels. I need the one entertainment channel I watch. Like, it's totally opposite the way I would buy or use a custom cable package. That's yeah. why I like Sling TV, because you do kind of get one of each. Um, yeah. yeah. Now, the other interesting thing is that um, ESPN has come out publicly and said that this custom TV thing from Verizon violates their carrier agreement with Verizon. Because they claim that a number of things, including ESPN, is required by their contract to be in the base package, um, and that companies can't charge extra for the right to access ESPN, along with a number of other um, requirements. So, we'll have to see what happens with that, but I don't Interesting. know. I'm not... I'm not impressed. Yeah, it doesn't sound particularly life-changing. <laughs> I mean, the, the good thing is, I'd have to do the math and compare it. The problem is cable packages are so complicated, but I think if you get, what, there's seven packs in addition to the base package, if you get probably even four or more than half of the channel packs, it may still be cheaper than a full cable package. Because you can get the base mm. channels, four packs... And pay $75 a month. And that includes internet. Which really isn't super outrageous. I mean, that's better than what I have now with Comcast. Like, I pay like 80 or something and I have zero channels. Because that's the problem with current cable packages is they bundle it by the hundreds of channels, not the 10 or 15 channels. Right. So you, you can't... At least, I think this is a step in the right direction. It gives you a little more flexibility, but... Nonetheless, this is not custom TV. I think that's yeah, right. misleading. Yeah, it seems like we're we're kind of like inching closer to that sort of thing. But I mean, I I guess if you think about it, like like the ESPN thing, all their deals with people have been set up in a world where like that was how it worked. So I feel like it's going to be some time before it. I don't know. We can get everything we want simply because of contractual obligations like we need to for those to run their course and that's why you'll see things like sling tv and playstation do it first is because verizon and direct tv and all these guys they have long-term contracts these are multi-year contracts so for them to change the term it's going to be three five years for sling tv to do it they're signing a brand new agreement they can do it much faster so you know you're not going to see as quick of a turnaround on these sort of legacy cable providers. Mm-hmm. 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 All right. Let's continue on. More news, including... <laughs> oh, see, Good. no. Uh, why don't we talk quickly about YouTube and the idea of paid subscriptions? <coughs> So this is okay. new. Um, I would love to have a paid subscription to this show, but I don't think anyone would pay for it. Um, <laughs> this is a, a an email YouTube sent out to the creators of their most popular channels, their quote-unquote YouTube stars, uh, whatever that means, um, saying that th- their paid subscription offering is coming soon. It doesn't have a name, and it doesn't have a lot of information to it. But what we do know is it will offer most likely ad-free videos as well as the ability to store videos offline on mobile devices for a price of about $10 a month. Creators will still be able to put their videos for free, but they'll also be able to put uh, some videos behind paywalls so that subscribers can view them. Um, There may also be a lower price subscription for specific categories, such as music or children's programming. We've talked about YouTube Music Key before, um, which is still in beta. Um, let's see here. YouTube uh, will still take roughly 45% of all advertising revenue generated, which they do now. Um, but subscription revenues will be pooled with partners receiving 55% of that total. Um, 
it will their cuts will be based on how much time viewers spend watching their channel. Um, but a lot remains to be seen about exactly how this will work. Uh, my question to you, gentlemen: um, Do you think this is a viable offering? Do you think people will give YouTube ten dollars a month for for this service as we as we know it today? Uh, and what does that get you? So, or... so Dan, you pay YouTube ten dollars a month, yeah. and the most popular YouTube channels who opt into this service, you will be able to watch their videos. A, you'll be able to watch them because you may not be able to watch them at all unless you pay. Oh, B, okay. You'll be able to watch them without ads, and C, you'll be able to host them offline on your mobile device. Oh, interesting. Uh, the first one I think is a terrible idea putting YouTube videos behind paywalls because any any YouTube star star so that's just such I a know, funny phrase. YouTuber is probably one of my least favorite words on earth. Yeah, any YouTuber knows that. The only reason they're anything is because of the virality of their videos, people sharing them, and that's how they got the word out. So I think that putting it behind a paywall is not a good idea. I don't think anyone there would even want to do that. I think they'll have a really hard time selling that. Uh, no ads. Uh, I don't know. I think that's kind of a successful model for like iPhone games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it would work for videos storing videos offline on your phone is something I've wanted to do a couple times recently. Uh, so I could see that, but for $10 a month, to, that's a lot to ask. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think the advertising thing has been going pretty well for them. Why mess with a good thing? Yeah. I mean, there's yeah. some, there's some YouTube channels who are bringing in millions of dollars every month on ad revenue. Um, you know, I don't. I don't know if the service will be any more lucrative for them. And so, so you said the like channels would have to opt in to not showing ads. Uh, yeah, the service is voluntary. No one's forced to to do it. Um, so they could continue to have ads and just not be involved at all. And the same goes for um, they can make it so anyone can watch the video with ads, or if you pay no ads, or they can make it so you can only watch it if you pay. That's another option creators will have as right. well. I wonder. I don't know. I wonder if that'll be like a good. Like, would they make more off of you for a for a paid versus an ad? You know, so who's who's they? Uh, the cre- no, 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 no. The channel, the the like person who who collects off that gets paid by youtube for their ad views i think probably the only way they can sell that is if they do get paid more right and i i would bet or at least otherwise why would a why would a content creator ever want this if not to get more money i agree i i think i would assume my problem comes in i i like the idea of paying to not see ads Apps do it. Websites do it. A lot of people do that. You can see ads for free. We get rid of the ads when you pay us. That makes sense, and I bet creators will at least make the same amount of money either way. I would be surprised if they lose money. My problem comes in is creators who are going to say, you can't see the video at all unless you pay us, which I think is bad for creators because you're right. Their their whole success is built on virality and sharing and this idea of, okay, I have to watch a 30-second ad, but at least I can watch it. Um, I think it's bad for YouTube because now the beauty of YouTube right now is every video is available and open. Now you're creating a separate small chunk of YouTube that you can only get if you pay. And I think it's bad for viewers because I'm all for paying. If there was a service, if YouTube said for $5 a month, there will be no ads on any YouTube video you watch, I might consider that. But what bothers me is I am not the kind of guy who is big into YouTube celebrities and YouTube, like I don't ever watch any of that really. Maybe one or two channels. CinemaSins yeah. is a big, I'm a big fan of. Um, so I would never pay $10. I would probably not pay $5 a month. I just think it's like, I see why YouTube would be attracted to the model. I don't know if YouTube supports it. That That's just my thinking. Yeah, I don't like I'm trying to think of of 
things that a creator would want to only give to like now now if you had if you could if you could segment out your videos that would be it that would be because then yeah i've talked on the show before about patreon which right. is which is a great service where you can give creators money and in exchange you get exclusive stuff. You yeah. get access to things people who don't pay them don't get. And there's value in that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if there was like ten dollars a month, but you get this person, you get extra videos from them, they'll do live Google Hangouts with you, they'll do all kinds of stuff. Even even just the ability so if it was ten dollars a month, no ads on participating uh content creators uh and they can put bucket videos into like premium youtubers only things that i think that would be enough and maybe the downloading thing would be cool too like yeah and that that could be hangouts on air maybe but i even just yeah premium videos i think that i think that would work really well maybe that's what this is and if not maybe google should hire us (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I mean, yeah, and I mean, I would hope that that would mean they make more money off that stuff than they would off their normal ones. Yeah, money per view. I don't think Google is stupid enough to pitch something to creators that would make them less money. I have to imagine, yeah, those who opt in at least at a certain like if you have a million subscribers or higher, maybe you make money. Like I'm sure there's a line, but there's got to be more money in it for the for those higher up. I have no idea. Well, I'm not even going to get the the business model of YouTube is much more complicated than the hour of the show to cover. So maybe it's best to just move on to more news. Um, gentlemen, anywhere particular you'd like to go next, we can talk Facebook Messenger. Android yes, let's Bear. talk about um, the EU sticking it to the Goog. All right, sticking it to the Goog. This, they they've tried many times, and they're still trying. Uh, this is not right new. In the Goog. Yeah. So there's actually two pieces of news here, and I am not a lawyer, unsurprisingly. Uh, am I am not an expert in, in um, the European Union, unsurprising. So I'm going to wow. try to explain this as best I can. I'm going to have to take a couple moments and process those two bombshells you just dropped. Yeah, in. I know. Shocking. Shocking. Uh, the EU formally accuses Google of monopolistic search practices. What does that mean? Well, uh, the EU has been investigating Google for five years now, right? A very long time. Um but this week it changed because they have a new lead of their investigation who recently came in um, and who formally said that they are serious about investigating them. So they didn't actually penalize them or find them guilty of anything. So relax. But what's interesting is what they're uh, complaining them about. There's a number of objections. The most important large one is Google Shopping. So right now if you search for a product on Google, you may notice in the little sidebar, sometimes at the top, there's Google shopping results, which show a number of products from different retailers you can buy. Some of those are ads. Retailers can pay money to have their products put in that bar, just like Google search has ads at the top um, that show up first when you search. Okay. With me so far? Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Okay. Uh, Now, we in the U.S., we're fine with this, right? We don't find this monopolistic at all. The problem is, and here's a fun fact for you, in the U.S., Google controls about 67% of the search engine market, okay? In the EU, Google accounts for something like 95 or 97% of the search market. Yeah, it's crazy. They literally have a monopoly. And that would be fine, and that's why the EU is always on their case about because you have such a high percentage, everything needs to be fair, everything needs to be reasonable. Well, the problem is, the EU thinks that it's really dis... it's really unfair to retailers that Google is predominantly featuring paying you know, sponsored retailers at the top of search results when those in the European Union search. They're fine with an algorithm accurately giving you the best result in a search. They don't think it's fair that the search put someone who paid at the top. Now, it's different so, from... Now, is it that it puts someone who paid at the top or someone, or, or like Google's, Google interests at the top? As far as I understand it, if if the Google search shopping thing gave you the products with the best prices automatically, there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. or illegal about that because it's 
automatic and it's it's a service. The problem is it's unfair and Google can use the fact it has a monopoly to charge more to get companies at the top. And it's disadvantage to retailers who don't pay to be at the top. That doesn't make I, any sense. <laughs> that's how Google works. I don't like that's how and they make money. <laughs> but you're but you're exact you're exactly right. The problem is when you have ninety seven percent of a market, then it is yeah. then it is considered you could say the same thing about Microsoft with Internet Explorer when the EU sued them and won, right? You could say there were other browsers, but it was the fact that because Microsoft was so dominant and it was pre installed it was such a disadvantage to the competition. Google, Microsoft was using its monopolist, monopolistic powers to destroy the competition. That is the theory with retailers and Google. Um. Okay. Something. So something about this feels different. Like they they don't feel equivalent to me. But I'm I'm having a hard time saying why. Um. So. I guess what they're saying is if you – so the example they're using in this slide here is if you search for pants, you'll get Google shopping results at the top. And below that, you'll get uh, whatever, Levi's.com or whatever, Old Navy. Uh, so Google is prioritizing its own shopping service ahead of – Possibly other shopping services on the internet too. You've got, uh, like, I don't know, what's that price comparison website? Amazon. Well, yeah. Amazon and Zappos. Uh, so if you look for shoes, I don't know, let's try this. Let's look for shoes. Shoes. Uh, I don't get any Google shopping results. <laughs> I get shoes.com well, first. If you, if you search for a if you have to search for a specific product, Okay, so like a like a model number or a, something like that. Yeah, how about this Thunder Bay Four? So I just searched for this new raid enclosure I have, OWC Thunder Bay Four, and I do not get Google Shopping results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, according to the EU, and I think this is MacBook a great book. Air. <laughs> no. I've because I've seen it. Let me let me see if I can show the folks at home. Yeah, I've definitely seen this sort of thing before. I don't know what from. Yeah, see, I see it. Shop for, I put in them on Google and it says sponsored at the top, um, and it and it shows Google Google search results here. I'll put it up on screen for you at home to see. Um, but yeah, and it's predominantly at the top. It's taking up about at least a quarter of my browser screen space. Um, I can't get this to show up at all. Daniel, just have to go back and watch the video version. <sighs> so, so I was always under the impression that uh, it wasn't the fact that Google was displaying, for instance, uh, a Google shopping advertiser could display their listing for, I don't know, 30 32 levi jeans uh instead of amazon's because they paid and they would be first and they would be highlighted as an ad that's not what the eu is objecting to it's objecting to the fact that google is prioritizing its own shopping aggregation service over competitors products by integrating it into search results mm -hmm. that everyone uses uh, and the, the same argument has been made in the past for YouTube, which I think has been disproven. So, like, if you search for a video, uh, you'll probably get the YouTube result, but not always. Even if you go to videos, uh, specific search, you'll probably get a YouTube result. But the fact is that most videos are on YouTube, but they do show Vimeo and mm -hmm. a couple of those other ones. Uh, in this case, though, Google never highlights... Uh, products like you're describing, although I can't get it to happen, from other uh, retailers, even though Google isn't a retailer, so it's sort of confusing. I'll, I'll read you this quote. I think this this is directly from what the EU said, their statement they put out. Quote, 
Google's conduct has a negative impact on consumers and innovation. It means that users do not necessarily see the most relevant comparison shopping results in response to their queries, and that incentives to innovate from rivals are lowered, as they know that however good their product, they will not benefit from the same prominence as Google's product. <laughs> Antitrust is so crazy. And I will, I will yeah. happily say so. It is, is very weird. Like I said, as soon as you get above that ninety percent market share in anything, your life gets really, really difficult, especially in the EU. Which brings yeah. to Google's second problem, which is you know they've been investigated for five plus years on Google search. Well, um, EU opened a brand new investigation into Android. Um, claiming similar antitrust violations. Now, there are... <coughs> excuse me. There are a couple of uh, different problems the EU has. I will just say the biggest problem is that Android is, open, is an open source platform. Anyone can do it. But if you want to include Google services like the Google Play Store and Google Apps, you have to play by Google's rules and say, you know, this is, you're allowed to do that. Um, the EU has a problem with this. Um, they, they claim that Google used its monopolistic powers to coerce um, competitor, competitor companies into um, playing by their wishes and, and using Google's requirements. Um, let's see. Uh, whether Google has prevented smartphone and tablet makers from creating modified version of Android and instead coercing them through threats to use their version of Android. Hindering the development and market access of rival apps and services by requiring or incentivizing smartphone and tablet makers to exclusively pre-install Google's own apps and services. Again, being antitrust unfair to other search engines or other apps. Now, this is kind of a bogus charge. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Go ahead. Because uh, uh, I, 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 you look at Fire OS as, I think, a prime example. Um, with that, they took Android and they ran with it and they created their own thing. Um, and the fact that Google, Google has an experience, but you don't have to use it. I think the only smoking gun to come out of this would be if someone said... Um, if an email came out with Google explicitly writing to Jeff Bezos saying, if you make it a fork version of Android and don't use Google, we'll never give you any service ever again or something like that. I think that would be, you'd have to yeah. have a pretty, a pretty good smoking gun of them threatening somebody. Yeah, it, I mean, it almost sounds like they're saying that them withholding their services is a threat. Which they're not even withholding their services. It's like... They're just saying, like, you can't pre-install it, right? Like, mm -hmm. that's not... I don't know. It doesn't seem... I don't know. It seems like... I guess you can frame it that way as a, like, threat. Or you could say frame it as, like, if you use... If you, like, as a incentive to... I don't know. It seems like a, a very murky yeah a, a very very uh kind of hand wavy thing like well and that's why if you if you ever talk to a corporate lawyer they'll absolutely tell you to watch every single word you put into any written document that could ever be subpoenaed because all it's going to take is is one slightly badly worded email between google and, and asus and them saying you make the fire os tablet now you know if you don't stop and start only making google tablets will never give you any more business or something like that mm -hmm. um that that's sort of the line but yeah i think i i don't really buy this one as much as i buy the search one but as i previously disclaimed i am neither a lawyer nor a european <laughs> Union expert so um what do i know so basically the whole last segment meant nothing. Um, let's continue on because we've got some more news and time is ticking away as usual, gentlemen. Uh, what next? Anything in particular? We've got um, 
Google Wireless, Android Wear, we've got uh, Google and Tesla, we've got Comcast Time Warner. Let's uh, let's celebrate Comcast and Time Warner. Let's let's end on a happy note, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> we can definitely talk about them. Uh, I mean, there's there's not a ton of new news here, but there is some. Comcast and Time Warner negotiators are meeting with the Justice Department this week. This is the first time regulators and representatives from the cable companies have sat down together to try to negotiate a deal. Um... Normally, when a company wants to merge, they just ask them and say, can we merge, please? And they get a yes or no. Uh, but when things get a little dicey, uh, they sit down to negotiate. This is what Comcast did when they acquired NBC a couple years ago, was they negotiated a number of rules around them allowing them to do it, and eventually the merger passed. Um, the The companies are getting together in meetings, so it'll be interesting to see what comes of, if a deal can come at all. Um because certainly the, the leading theory is that uh, regulators are against the merger as of right now. Um, it would not surprise me to learn that Comcast and Time Warner have to agree to some pretty steep um, requirements around the merger um, for it to actually pass. I certainly hope so. <laughs> yeah, I was so, like, I'm, I was heartened to hear this, but... We'll see what happens. The government has pleasantly surprised us surprised us in technology the last couple months, I'll say. So maybe there's hope. Maybe I won't have terrible internet service next year. But probably I will. <laughs> Dan, I think the best you can hope for is not to have worse service than what you have now. <laughs> True. That yeah, that I, I didn't state that correctly. Thank you. Good catch. Oh man, monopolies are awesome. Um so there is that. We we've got time for one more here. Uh, anything? Anything in particular? Going about once. Android Going, Wear. Android Wear. Let's talk about Android Wear. Um, again, another another leak, another rumor, another suggestion. Nothing official. Um, but Google is close to making Android Wear work on the iPhone, supposedly. Um. This is from somebody, according to a source close to the team. Um, Android Wear will work along with a companion app on the iPhone and supports basic functions like notifications. Um, it also supports Google Now's uh, information cards, voice search, and other voice actions. It could also support more advanced features with Google's own iOS apps, like responding to Gmail messages. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, there's kind of... Um, more aggressive rumors that it could be more aggressively uh, included with iOS. We don't really know. Um, what does that mean? Well, including, you know, there have been some um, hacks and workarounds that have already been sort of tried by people, and none work particularly well. The theory is that Google is so good, they'll figure out some way to work around it. Um, the ones, the, the features I previously mentioned are the ones that seem certainly the most plausible. Um, but being a little more aggressive with integrating with the actual OS notifications and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I think I think that's exciting. We've talked about this on the show. How awesome would it be if Android Wear was a little more platform agnostic like Pebble? Um, but as we know from the Pebble, it's not got a super great uh, experience when you're not as tightly integrated with the OS as Android Wear is on Android or Apple Watch is on iOS. Right. Um, it's a very clunky workaround, pain-in-the-butt situation. Um, I don't know if Google could do any better, but I'd certainly be interested. Yeah, it would be cool. I think it's kind of neat. And maybe, you know, if Google can do better, maybe it could pave the way for other people to do better as well. Well, that's part of what Pebble's doing, and another disclaimer, I'm not a programmer or a technical expert. I'm not many things, um, but um, supposedly Pebble in the new version of their OS um, shipping along with the Pebble Time, they're going to have better integration with services connecting directly to the web rather than doing things on mm -hmm. your phone or via the app itself. So the protocol will go right to their, the, like the servers of whatever service you're talking to and bypass the phone, you know, just use the phone as a web connection, essentially. Um, yeah. So I mean, I think that makes sense. That's like basically what what I don't know. That seems like the only option at this point for for them on on iOS. But I think you know, talk about a, a monopoly being kind of annoyingly unfair. But you know, I got 
a whole bunch of app updates on my phone today, and all of them now supporting Android Watch or Apple Watch. Now supporting Apple Watch. Now you know Apple Watch already has hundreds of apps because they're so tightly integrated and so easy to build right. for. You know how many developers are gonna put in whatever code Pebble wants them to include, so it'll so it'll work on the watch when you have a you know millions of Apple Watches and you know however many Pebbles there are. So I don't know. That's maybe someone should investigate. I'd be fine if someone wants to investigate Apple for locking down their OS, although I guess they're allowed to do that. <laughs> this is America after all. Yeah, right. Freedom. That America. Is, it's kind of weird. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, things are a little different in Europe. They don't they don't play by everyone else's rules. Uh, yeah. Maybe things <laughs> are a little different here. Oh, is, that, yeah. is that what it is? I think that's more accurate. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Worst Dude. things have been said about America. <laughs> that's, that's certainly true. It sure is. Well, that concludes the news for this week. We are going to move on to some picks, and I am going to volunteer to go first. I actually have two picks. Um, one is my my challenge of sorts, although it's not really a challenge because I'm keeping it, but um, two weeks ago on the show we talked about, do you guys remember what new product we talked about? No. We talked about the new Rokus. Remember Roku 3 and the Roku 2? Oh, the... yeah! Yeah! Was, yeah, we said, that's wow, right. Roku 2, it's got the faster hardware in it, but it's only $69. And, you know, wow, that's a no-brainer upgrade. So I went and bought one because uh, my Roku was really old and really slow. Um, and so I've got it. I've unboxed it. I've used it. Man, is it fast. Woo! It is, like, flying fast. Um, so really great. Uh, I still forever love my, my Roku. Um, the other thing too, I will mention is we talked about, I don't know if you remember the feed function where it would like, remember you could save movies and it would let you know when they go live and if the prices change and these sort of things. Um, it's super limited right now. It's kind of like in beta testing. There's like 12 movies you can choose from to follow and that's it. Um, and I didn't like any of them. So you know they're they're still working on it but the technology is cool and the box is great so roku if you don't have a streaming device or yours is crappy or out of date go buy a roku too it's really great um for my pick this week it is a new app uh my boss actually recommended this to me you know working in a global company can be hard when you have to be on the phone with Mumbai and South Korea and the Netherlands and Brazil you can't keep track, and as hard as Outlook will try, it will never be good at figuring out time zone and scheduling meetings appropriately. There's an app for that. Uh, it's called Circa, C-I-R-C-A. It's available for uh, iOS only, and it's in the App Store right now. Uh, let me share my iPhone screen. Uh, and the way it works is it's it's very stylized and it's got this nice little uh, these little wheels um, and essentially what the wheels are is they're chunks of time so it's a 24 hour clock all the way around and it shows you with this white line like a clock what time it is currently it's 2200 hours um, and well actually no that's not <laughs> no it's 2300 hours it must think I'm not well whatever anyway don't worry about that <laughs> oh those are half hour ticks okay they have half hour ticks that's great I didn't notice that so it is 2300 hours um, but you can see so right now in Shanghai it's 11am and what's great is Shanghai has this little sort of green bar that shows uh, working hours so and you can set them to be custom for each area but I now know that Shanghai is like a quarter of the way through their day. It's 11 a.m., so I guess a little closer to half. But um, what's great is you can then take your finger and spin it, and you can see what time it is in any given time zone. So if I want to know when it's noon here in uh, scenic Pittsfield, I will then know it is uh, 11 a.m. in Indiana. I'll know it's 6 p.m. in the Netherlands. I'll know it's 9 a.m. in San Francisco. Um and you can scroll. It's just got these nice little animations. And what's great is they show the overlap. So I can see how often San Francisco overlaps with Pittsfield. And I see that Mumbai never overlaps with Pittsfield. Um, <laughs> neither does South Korea or Shanghai. Uh, most of the sort of Asian uh, countries. So anyway, it's free. Uh, it's a really great app. Uh, 
I highly recommend it. Uh, Circa, C-I-R-C-A, you can get it in the iOS store or at C-I-R-C-A-app.com uh, if you're ever looking for a time zone. And they have an Apple Watch app that you can use as well. So if you're into that sort of thing. That is my pick this week. If I needed to use that, I would because it looks really cool. <laughs> it is a limited use. It's not for everybody. You got to be pretty serious about your your time zones for it to be uh to be Holy worth smokes. it. Smokes. But... So you weren't kidding, Sean. I yeah, I go to download this app that you're recommending, and almost every app on my phone has an Apple Watch app. Yeah. This is crazy. It's ridiculous. I, you know, I don't know the backbone of it, but it's got to be dead simple to translate your app to Apple Watch because now everything has it. one password, Spotify, there were apps, Open Table. There were apps I couldn't imagine what you would do with an Apple Watch version right. of, and they had one. Yeah. yeah. Like one password? What do you do with that? Postmates, Uber. Uh, so the one password you can, uh, I think, if you authenticate your apple watch and it's mm-hmm. connected to the phone then you don't have to ever uh, press the thumb yeah. thing yeah it, it, it was amazing to me talk about a selling point for the apple watch of course the jet blue the, the early reviews yahoo weather the performance is a little weak on the the apple watch in terms of speed slack yeah so so i do know um at least from listening to atp because like Marco Arment talked a bunch about like doing the overcast one. Um, and it's like nothing happens on the Apple watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's mostly like all the computer stuff happens on your phone and it goes over Bluetooth to the Apple watch. So I feel like that's, uh, yeah, I don't it's know. just an interface, but I right. guess that that's why some of the performance is a little weak, uh, on yeah. the Apple watch is a lot of loading. A lot of loading. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure some of that stuff is, is like, organizational, too. Like, as people get better at mm-hmm. developing Apple Watch apps, like, they'll figure out how to, like, mitigate those kind of, like, crappy feelings. Yeah, but that's that's exciting. By the way, I took my first Uber when I was in California. Oh, Whoa. yeah, how'd that go? Uh, it was great. I loved it. It was so easy. I pushed the button, and then the car was there, and the guy was really nice, and he drove me to the rental car place, and... uh and we, we chatted a little bit, and he was very polite. It was great. Nice. I really loved it. It was a couple bucks. It wasn't too bad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I will, I'm, I'm, I'm routinely surprised at how inexpensive Uber is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, um, was, uh, it was good. And I used Grubhub yeah. for the first time. Oh, really? Because I was lazy one day and didn't feel like leaving my hotel room, so they delivered to me. It was great. Oh, my God. I want to live, like, where they have things. <laughs> <laughs> someday sean some someday <laughs> i'll get out of this this one horse town to the to the big the big city and why see uh enough of me i saying. knew that was from something that's from annie um god i'm so lame all right let's continue on please anything but me um and let's move on to uh next in the list which is colby who's going to talk to us about another app yeah so uh, I don't know if you guys remember a while ago, like, I think it was probably last, like, around Christmas time, a little before Christmas time, I picked that, it was called the Neat Ice Kit, and it's for, like, making, like, clear chunks of ice to put in your drinks. Um, well, in, in a, uh, kind of tangential development, the company that makes the Neat Ice Kit, which is called Studio Neat, I believe, they release an app, and the app is basically for for storing cocktail recipes, uh, which is something I've wanted for for a long time. Um, I've even started building this myself, but I was so happy when they 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 did this because. I would much rather someone else build something that is way better than something I would have built uh, than actually build it myself. So it was really great. It's really pretty, and um, I don't know. It's it's like a recipe app, but optimized for for cocktails. 
Um, it's kind of neat. The cards are all different colors and stuff, and you can. It, it's like it has this nice like card interface, and like they pop up, and you can like swipe away, and la di da, and you can like there are these like preset like image chunks that you can use to like build a picture of what like the drink is supposed to look like and if it has an ice cube and what kind of glass it's in and and like the garnish so uh it's really cool so if that's something that fits your need that uh i don't know if you make drinks and you you always wanted a recipe app for your drinks you should download it because i used to use instapaper and i just had a folder of like random websites which was uh not that great so this is way better i love it i'm playing with it right now this is so it makes me want to make drinks this is great hey yeah it also comes there are a bunch of like uh included recipes um and it's also it's all it also does that thing where you can like share it share the recipes and it shares like your uh it shares a picture of your thing and you it's it's one of those things where it it has like a qr code and you can import the the photo you like you download the photo on your phone and you open it up in the app um and it like adds it it adds the card to your app based on the qr code so it's one of those funky things but cool yeah it's highball. It's for free on the iOS store. Um, I don't. I'll check and see if it's available for Android or not. I, I suspect uh, it's. it's too, I, I'm going to guess <laughs> it's too pretty yeah. to be available for Android. But maybe that's just a really terribly unfair sign. I'm right. It's only available for iOS. <laughs> but uh, check it out on your iPhone or iPad. Um, very cool, Dan Miller. Uh, your pick this week. We've got three Mac apps. Uh, what is uh, well, three uh, Mac esque apps. What What do you have for us? All right. So the new Photos app came out, and as someone who's been taking more photos, I've been pretty excited and also a little bit scared because you know if something messes up your photo library, that's not a good time. But I'm currently sharing my screen with my Photos app. Uh, First, it's super pretty, which is always nice. So you can like zoom in and zoom out and everything works just as you'd expect. It is so much faster than the old version, though. Um, So we can open up a pretty picture. Let's open up a different pretty picture. There we go. Uh, So that's viewing. You can zoom in and it loads the stuff and it's great. Uh, you can look at, oh, can you see the info pane? I guess not. Nope. So you can look at info. It pops up in one of those weird OS ten side window dealy bobs. Uh, editing is when it really comes into its own, though. It switches to this nice, fancy, dark view. Uh, you can just press the enhance button, but that's not a lot of fun. What you really want to do is go over here to adjust. Uh, and it's way... It's easier to use an iPhoto and Aperture and Lightroom, all of which I've tried, none of which I've I bought. I just tried them. Uh, and it's almost as powerful. So you can customize the different uh, like things you can use to edit a picture. Uh, but the basic ones they give you aren't even very complicated. So you see here, this light one, you can see the preview of what the picture will look like as we adjust the light balance. Uh, and I added the histogram so you can see what changed there and you can click auto and it will adjust to where it thinks so you can sort of get a sense of uh, how should I adjust photos so that they look better Uh, so you click auto and like oh it kind of wants it up there but I think I actually I want it a little bit more Uh, so these things are a lot of fun Uh, the black and white setting is uh, that's not a good picture to do it on but that also works and you can add other ones here so like noise reduction, uh, add it in there, and we can see what happens when we move that around. Um, and that's pretty much all I've done. Uh, you have filters, haven't done anything with those, haven't tried the retouch setting, but all I need it to do is to to be fast, which iPhoto wasn't, and to handle some to handle RAWs, which a lot of other basic programs don't. Uh, and to allow me to edit some things in a more fine-grained way, which iPhoto didn't really allow me to do. And now this one does all of those things. 
Uh, it's really fast. It works really well. Um, I highly recommend it. I haven't played with it too much, uh, but I don't. I also like. I don't use smart. I don't use smart albums. I have never made prints from my photo or anything like that. I haven't tried sharing anything, so maybe maybe I'll try that now, uh, or I'll try it later. I'll report back. Cool. All right, I'm excited. Did, have you updated cool. yet, Colby? I updated, but I I don't like. You don't store your photos. I don't photos, take huh? pictures, or I don't know. I do take pictures, but I like <sighs> take pictures to send to someone, and then that's it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Like that might change. How do you get them off your phone? Well, I mean, now I get them off my phone with the iCloud sync, but like. Before I wouldn't get them off my phone, oh, I would just God. like I either Snapchat or send a text message. Oh. I don't even post them to Facebook anymore. I used to post stuff to Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, you're making me depressed. <laughs> Sorry. How can you? How big of a phone do you have? Uh, I think I have the third. I have the, I have the the middle one, thirty-two. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's my problem. I don't have the middle one. I I I was just using my iPhone on my trip, and I saw, I've I've always synced my iPhone photos to my Dropbox, and my folder in Dropbox has nine thousand six hundred photos in it, um, Whoa. which is about probably about two three years worth, so. Interesting. I wish I had a Mac because then I could do cool things like this. I'm on Windows. We have Windows Photo Viewer. <laughs> it allows so, you to view your photos. Uh, oh, whoa. <laughs> so I, I actually have the 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 64 gig iPhone. I forgot because they did that weird thing with the new one. But all oh, right, have, they got rid of the 32. Yeah, I have um 18 gigs of storage on my phone. I'm looking up what it what it is right now. I don't know if it just tells you pictures. Uh, yeah, it'll say photos. It'll say the photos app. the The usage thing on uh, iOS I think is pretty great. Actually, I use it all the time to see what because what happens is and I don't understand how this works, but apps balloon in size, so uh-huh. they'll install it like a hundred megabytes, and then six months later they're like a gigabyte. You know, it's like a Twitter clone. Oh, yeah. It's like why yeah, is it yeah. so big? And I guess it's caching stuff or something. So I got to right. uninstall and reinstall it anyway. <laughs> That's Damn. a story for another Damn day. It. So, Dan, you're going to get even sadder when I tell you this. <laughs> uh, Great. So my top four, my top four space using apps on my phone, the first is Spotify, which is 8.4 gigs, which I assume is just all the music I have downloaded locally in like the highest. Wow. It'll use that much space. Oh, because you explicitly downloaded. I see. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, The next two are just like random games that I downloaded. And the fourth one is my Photos app, which is using 369 megabytes. Wow. Yeah. That is weak. So I guess I I won't remember this this portion of my life at all when I'm older. Just be a black from hole. All the drinking you've done and from your lack of photography. <laughs> exactly. We live in a Snapchat world, Colby. Nothing was made to last. Oh, really <laughs> oh whoa. You just sent me a message from the photos. Oh, look at that. I got it as an iMessage. That's a nice picture. Is that how I'm supposed to get it? Yeah, so yeah, did I. To get it? Yeah. Oh, look at that. Would you look at that? Would you look at. Well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Would you look at that? <laughs> That is excellent. Well, gentlemen, I think that uh, that does it. That wraps us up. We're all done. Anything else you would like the fine people of this great States United to know before we conclude? No. No. Okay. Take more pictures. Take, Come on, take, people. Dan, I love all that right. you always leave us with like a little piece of advice. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try. See, the thing is, like, I don't like to be at a thing where I would be taking pictures and be taking pictures. Like, I like to get to a place, take a picture or a Snapchat, like, 
prove I was there or whatever. And then I like to be there, mm-hmm. like at the place without my phone out. Maybe Snapchat. I still don't get the Snapchat thing. By the way, when I sent you that crazy picture on Friday, that was yeah. a total accident. I meant to put some text on it that described what it was. And I didn't realize that there was there's not like a picture preview screen. So then I pressed the next button when it like showed me oh, the picture. No. Oh, it was all over. <laughs> You're such an old man, Dan. Uh, I don't get the, the kids in their Snapchat. Um, well, then let's remind the people out there. Don't panic.io is the website. 10 p.m. Eastern. We do the show live on that website. Also, all the recorded versions and all the links are right there. Don't panic.io. Your one stop shot at don't panic on Twitter. <clears throat> at don't panic show on Twitter. Excuse me. Uh, and I'll also quickly remind people, GoldilocksShow.com, the sister show on the network. Last week we talked conspiracy theories, uh, the moon landing theory, great, JFK theory, not so good. you got to blame it on somebody. Who's to blame? Um, <laughs> next week we're going to uh, – this week actually we're going to talk about um, crazy conspiracy theories. Is the government putting mind control – in the water supply. And is the government full of lizard people? That's what we're going to be talking about. Goldilockshow.com. Check it out. It's a great show. Um, we'll be back next week with this show at 10 p.m. Eastern, as I discussed on Monday, um, with more tech news. On behalf of Colby and Dan, I thank you all for watching. And we hope you'll join us on the next episode of Don't Panic. But until then, we'll wish you a fair good night.